Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Big Badge Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Chess. Hi, 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 everyone. So I realized that you and I have never chatted about where the Big Badge Energy, like the name of our podcast, came from, because this is a question that I get a lot whenever... (laughs) I'm talking about the podcast. I don't know about you, but I thought maybe we could talk yeah. about the origin of it today. It's like it's like the thing where you say you, you do a podcast and they go, oh, what's the name? And you say, oh, the Big Badge Energy Podcast. And the first thing everyone always says is, I love that. And then they're like, oh, like, where did you get that from? So it's actually quite like, yeah, it's an, uh, an often asked question. Um, but the, the point is, we've told you guys how the podcast started, right? But a couple of weeks after when we were getting serious about it, we kind of needed a name, you know, we needed to set up like a page and really center our thoughts around what we wanted to do and speak about. And yeah, we were brainstorming. I was sending Alex some names. Lots um, of names we went through. It took a while. Yeah. And, and the thing that was frustrating was I think we landed on a few, but then as it goes, they were already taken as yeah. social me- social media handles or- well, just Someone um, with what, one post and we were like, why? Yeah, why are you yeah. doing this to us? But yeah, so basically, we we there were a few like ideas that we came up with, but they were all taken. And then Alex, yeah. So we were. I mean, I if anyone knows me, I love a pun, love a pun. And so <laughs> I was kind of you know had a, a, a gin or two to get the creative juices flowing, and um, you know wanted to think of what's like a phrase that's claimed by men that we can that we we could adopt so you know what's a positive phrase so you know big dick big dick energy (laughs) be that that bde has you know got i think it's a it's a great term and we just thought we could have like a little bit of a play on words and it's funny because i was telling chess like i'm back in the in the dating scene and I'm on um, the app Hinge right now. And with that, you can connect your Instagram. So I've got, you know, a post about the podcast. And so I constantly get guys on Hinge and I forgot that it shows the caption (laughs) of, of the image that it's connected to. And so I constantly get guys being like, why like why big vag energy? Why like surely, you know, not to be like too, um, what's the word here I'm looking for um anyways descript overly descriptive but they're like yeah I mean wouldn't you want it to be the opposite and I'm like no man it's it's all about that big energy like it's not about the, it's you don't want a little about, vagina yeah. like, at the end of, I remember that I really love the title right and you just texted to me like randomly like really late at night it was late on night here and then the next morning I was like Alex just checking if you were serious about that name because I really like that name and you were like uh yeah <laughs> and so that's how it was born <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we call it the Big Badge Energy. And yes. um, yeah, we hope you like the name. I mean, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but at the end of the day, um, we needed to claim something for our own, didn't we? Yes, we did indeed. <laughs> so okay. um, shall we dive into what we're talking about today? 
Yeah, I'm going to let you do the overview um, of who we're talking to and what we're talking about since uh, we spoke to a friend of yours uh, from your early days growing up in Malta. Yes, actually. So uh, the person we're uh, interviewing today has been a friend of mine since uh, I was nine years old. We were in in school together and she's really incredible. And we decided to um, talk to her about our topic today, which is women in Paralympic sports. So I'm going to tell you a bit about uh, Vlada. Uh, Her full name is Vladislava Kravchenko. She's 30 years old. And she is Malta's first female swimmer and first female para-athlete since 1980 to represent the country at the Paralympic Games uh, in 2016, actually, it was the first time. In 2015, uh, Vlada formed part of the Youth Ambassador Programme led by the European Paralympic Committee, raising awareness about the Paralympic movement in Europe. And then three years later, she was elected as the chairperson of the Paralympic Athletes Council in Malta. Then in 2017, she was a recipient of the Queen Elizabeth II Young Leaders Award. And earlier this summer, she once again represented Malta at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo, becoming the first Maltese two-time Paralympian. Outside of sports, uh, Vlada qualified as a certified public accountant and is currently reading for a master's degree in sport management, politics and international development at Loughborough University. Um we wanted to interview Vilada because she's got such a, I don't know how you say it, like a, uh, a taste for life. She's just so determined. She's so inspiring. And we wanted to share this with you. And um, she she lived a, a, a full life the whole time I knew her. But unfortunately, at the age of 17, she went to a party where math, metal scaffolding ca- collapsed on a ca- crowd. Wow, I couldn't say that. I'm going to say that again. Where <laughs> metal scaffolding collapsed on a crowd. And that's when everything changed for her. That's when her life changed forever. Hi, Vlada. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's so great to have you here. Hi, babe. Thank you for thank you for the invitation. I'm really happy to of join course, you. Of course, of course. We're so, so excited to speak to you, to be honest. Where are you joining us from today? I'm joining from UK, uh, from my tiny town called Loughborough, mm-hmm. where my university is uh, located. So I'm finishing up my master's at the moment and working on my dissertation fantastic and what is your master's in right now i'm studying sport management politics and international development and i'm doing research on para sport integration and i'm doing a case study of the commonwealth game which are going to be in uk next year that sounds really hench i've always admired um yeah, admired the amount of work that you do. Ever since we were, you know, nine, I think it was, you, <laughs> you always took on a lot of work and did it incredibly well and made me feel like, you know, I always needed to work harder, which was really good. Yeah, well, I I, I think when you over-deliver, it uh, pays off eventually. I agree. Well, your degree sounds like it aligns very, very nicely with uh, what your career has been over the last few years. So um, I just want to ask you if you can talk to us about uh, how your passion for swimming started. 
Well, um, I mean, to be honest, uh, my passion for sports in general uh, started even before I was born because both of my parents were athletes and um, my mom actually got to know that she was pregnant when she was struggling to finish a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I was already uh, a sports baby even before I was born. Um, Then when I was um, uh, five, my mom um, introduced me to, uh, let's say, uh, more competitive sports. It's it's, uh, strange to say that at at the age of five, but uh, that was the the reality. I remember we had gone to our local uh, sports club uh, where they they had different types of sports. And I, I remember looking at the board with different uh, sort of classes that they had. And my mom asked me, so what do you want to do? And uh, I saw gymnastics. And at that time, I wanted to learn how to do a split. So I said, okay, I'll go for gymnastics. <laughs> wow. So um, so I joined the rhythmic gymnastics uh, group. And uh, within a few uh, months, actually, um, I I progressed to um, like the junior, um, the junior team of, of our town. And then we started going on on competitions and different competitions uh, nationally. Uh, I mean, I was born in Ukraine, so this is uh, still in Ukraine. Then when I was nine, uh, my family and I moved to Malta. Um, And at that time, there wasn't a rhythmic gymnastics uh, association or any clubs. So um, I just, (laughs) and to be honest, it was kind of a big uh, shock when you uh, move countries, you have to learn the language, you have to make new friends. So sport kind of uh, wasn't the priority at that time. I just practiced different sports for fun. Uh, We practiced ballet. We did. (laughs) Chess was much better than I was in (laughs) in ballet, but... (laughs) Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, I used to practice sport, different types of sports um, uh, from a young age. Then um, after my injury um, at the age of seventeen, I uh, started doing swimming for rehab. So it was something that uh, was part of my rehabilitation program. And then I discovered uh, Paralympic sport and. Uh, I realized that I could do this competitively and and yeah I said okay there, there isn't much in Malta um, but I'm not going to let go like I did with the rhythmic gymnastics I'll try and and uh, work my way through and uh, I managed um, I uh, I was the first female swimmer to compete for Malta in Rio at the Paralympic Games amazing and a few a few weeks ago in Tokyo Yes, and that's wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's why we want to speak to you at the end of the day because you've really like pushed those boundaries, and um, it's so great to see someone taking that leap. Yes, absolutely. And so, what would a typical day or week, let's say, of training look like for you as a Paralympian athlete? Well, I would uh, maybe describe my last. Uh year how it went uh, about because I think it was the closest I've been to let's say doing sport professionally because I was uh, based at Loughborough University which is number one uh, university for sport um, in the world and uh, there is you know a a really good base um, with facilities with uh, coaching experts and uh, you know 
all other uh, professionals that help you uh, succeed in your sport. So we had um, a good number of Olympians and Paralympians on, on campus training here. So it was really good to, to be surrounded in this, uh, to, to have the opportunity to be dipped into this uh, kind of atmosphere. So, I mean, we would train uh, every day, essentially, apart from Sundays, Sundays, rest day. So, yeah, I mean, essentially for me, let's say my training regime was uh, swimming, gym, Pilates, wow. uh, stretching. So everything that goes with it so i would i would i would have thought that it's swimming only that's really ignorant because i wouldn't have thought that you also have to of course go to the gym because you have to work your muscles and become stronger so it, it i would imagine it takes up the majority of your day yeah um that's why i extended my course because uh, combining that with studying was uh, quite uh, challenging and working on assignments and exams so um yeah, I'm pr we're pretty lucky. The university provides this kind of infrastructure for student athletes to be able to uh, apply for academic flexibility and work around their competitions and, and training uh, commitments, which is, uh, um, you know, a situation which doesn't happen in every other country. I mean, in many countries, you study and then you train, yeah. whereas here it's mainly your training. If you are at the, at a competitive and high competitive level, you are training and then you're studying around your training regime. So that's even at other universities where there are a lot of athletes that are competitive athletes where they're, they don't have the same level of flexibility. Uh, it depends which university, really. I mean, in Malta, for example, definitely you wouldn't be able to find this kind of uh, um, arrangements. They are improving and they are uh, introducing new um, support programs for, for athletes. But of course, we don't have many professional athletes, I would say. No. You know, you can count them on, on fingers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. perhaps there, okay. there isn't the uh, demand for that. Yeah, that's that's wonderful to have that level of support because I I like having done a master's a few years ago myself. I can't imagine balancing anything else on top of the academics <laughs> would be quite challenging. I imagine so that's that's great that they have um, that flexibility to give to their athletes. So uh, Vlada, I wanted to ask you. Um quite a maybe personal question um but that might be useful to other people uh, to to hear the answer um having experienced such a devastating and life-changing accident I often I do wonder how you manage to propel yourself forwards like so far um can you tell us what inspires and motivates you well first of all I think uh I'm definitely not the only person who had experience uh, something similar I mean yes of course it's uh, you know a, a bit of an extreme situation but mm -hmm. um, there are so many people who go through um, different things and uh, you know life goes on and you just have to pick yourself up and, and move forward I think uh, any uh, um, challenge any any tragedy uh, sort of takes you to the can take you to the bottom but uh, as we often say uh, here, you know, bottom is, is a good place to bounce off from. That's so you so can positive. bounce off from the bottom and uh, 
come out of it stronger. Uh, what motivates me, I think, two aspects. Um, one, just, uh, you know, knowing and acknowledging that uh, humans are by nature resilient and we just have to kind of tap into our uh, inner resource and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, 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 yeah, just, just get over it. <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> there there are people who who overcame things like the Holocaust, uh, the uh, um, different wars. There are so many people who are misplaced around the world, and they sure. go through so much uh, hardship that when you look at your life at the end of the day, you say, "Wow, okay, yes, see, I did have to, I did have a few bumps, but it's not as bad as uh, as it can be." So, yes, just seeing how many people around the world overcame different things um, and uh, managed to to come out of it, uh, you know, stronger. But also, I think it's important not to become, um, how can I explain it? Not, not to be uh, envious or... Comparative, uh, maybe like comparing. Comparative, comparative. Yeah, I think it's it's important to keep your your kindness and your uh, um, your your positive outlook on life because life is good at the end of the day. Life is what you make out of it. And that uh, is I true. think. Sec- and I think second uh, point is um, try to help someone who is in a worse situation than you are. Okay. And and I think that uh, gives you a lot of energy and uh, it empowers you to do more and to realize that, uh, yeah, limitations so are just in would, our head. What you're saying is, of, of course, you're doing this sport for yourself um, and because you're really passionate about it and because it gives you that positive outlook and something um, to something to love in your life, right? But But you're saying that you're also doing it to break boundaries for other people yeah absolutely okay <laughs> i mean um a lot of uh, athletes who take part in the paralympic games i mean i've i've had the opportunity to speak to many of them um through my involvement in athlete representation and uh, my recent um, election campaign a lot of them say that yes sport uh, is your passion is your you know um your profession for most of them but at the end of the day it's something that empowers you it gives you um the courage to face other things in life uh it uh helps you to gain confidence in yourself and uh, i think these are the qualities that you need if you want to uh, achieve something and let's say you're not starting off from a an even basis as other people. No, I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate that, you know, you've not only started swimming um, in Malta and you you kept your job and, you, and you're comfortable and you, you, you stayed where you knew you were, had a good life, but you're trying to better yourself and, and make it better and more reachable for other Paralympians. Well, yeah, I guess uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I guess 
I think is uh, is worth pursuing is uh, your legacy. So what right. uh, happens after you're you're done with the sport? Very true. And uh, it's so important to um, leave something behind um, and and build a foundation that others can you know continue building on. I love it. So many wonderful words of wisdom from you today. <laughs> I'm loving this. I'll oh. let Chess lead in with the next question. That oh, yeah, we got some questions. You. Sorry, I'm just... Mm-mm-mm. So the next question we have for you is, what does competing for Malta and being a female athlete mean to you? Well, this is interesting because I actually... Uh, having done my course, um, we uh, uh, spoke a lot uh, in one of the modules about uh, sport and nationalism. Mm-hmm. So what uh, sense of nationalism sport evokes in people. Mm-hmm. So um, is it really important for which country you're competing in? Nowadays, um, I love the reading lots of... Um, uh, sort of re- reflective articles after the uh, victory of Emma Raducanu oh, yeah. at the US Open. Mm-hmm. Yep. So mm-hmm. she is uh, half Romanian, half Chinese, born in Canada, brought up in UK. Uh, Lives in South London. <laughs> <laughs> competing for UK at the moment. But um, mm-hmm. it's the same question that people always ask me, do you feel more Ukrainian or more Maltese? At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. because yes okay you have to know where what your uh, roots are where you come from where you were brought up but um, our world at the moment is so mobile everyone uh, literally lives in a global village True. so I think we're all global citizens True. and I strongly believe that uh, it won't be long until would actually erase the sense of uh, nationality and competing for a certain country. It seems. To be honest, um, you know, when the Olympics, the, the modern Olympics were revived, uh, there were two kind of concepts that the, the founder uh, was pushing. And that is one, that athletes had to be amateur. So it was, uh, you know, you were competing in sport because it was your passion. It's, you, you weren't making any money out of it. Wow. And secondly, the there was a sense that uh, there was a proposal that, you know, we won't have any flags. It would just be a celebration of, of humanity. It would just be a celebration of brotherhood and something as sports uh, would be a platform, a medium that would bring oh. uh, humans together oh. after war because uh, that's so nice. The modern Olympic Games were, were I mean, they were um, brought back from the ancient times after, you know, the devastating uh, results of, of World War One. So I really believe in that as well. Um, unfortunately, sport became highly commercialized. I mean, okay, there are uh, pros and cons to that. But I think uh, we uh, have to remember what pro sport um, is really all about. Sure. And I think the beauty of sport is something, you know, it's this, um, a very unique um, platform that can actually uh, unite people. And what about in being a peaceful way? What about being a female, a, a fe- female in sport? For example, do you feel like you have to work harder to be taken more seriously? Um, do you feel like 
it's different. I don't think it's the case anymore. I mean, yes, the um, history shows that uh, women uh, <laughs> found it tough in sports, just like in anything else, you sure. know, like in politics and uh, um, in other industries, in management. And, and yes, we still see women being the minority. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's changing. Let's say in my experience, um, I never faced a situation where I was uh, uh, denied something just because I was a female. Um, yes, uh, less women practice professional sports because of various things, but um, I don't think, uh, you know, we, we live in, in this day and age, I, I don't think uh, being female is an issue. Why do you sport. think, why do you think less females practice the sport then? Um, I think, um, I mean, it's changing, but I think, uh, historically, uh, uh women, um, concentrated on other things. So yeah. I think for women, it was more important to sort of, uh, um, build a family, uh, or perhaps, uh, do other things, um, whereas sport it requires a lot of commitment you know so you you're, feel like we're actively going through that change now like it's it's happening now it's not yet but it's happening now yeah definitely okay. i mean uh i mean still for for women i think it's important you know to find their uh let's say their life partner or uh mm. their uh profession yeah. Uh, sport is very unreliable and very unpredictable. Uh, so it's not uh, a stable profession. So when you uh, have uh, female athletes who are pursuing professional sport, it's just because they are extremely in love <laughs> with, the, uh, with, with this um, uh, phenomenon, with this activity, because it's, it's a lot of commitment, it's a lot of sacrifice. And the outcome is very unpredictable and unreliable. It's not Alex. like a, a a straightforward career where you know you're you're getting, let's say, into finance or into law. Yeah. You know, you're starting steady to work steady and, job. and exactly, and you're very much, uh, um, you know, you have something that you're working towards. In sports, it's just you're putting it all on the line for your passion, and then seeing what. Uh, comes out of it. I love it. It's really evident, Vlada, that you are working so hard to make a positive impact in all your work around the Paralympics. And I think it can serve as an important reminder to us all to take a moment and just consider what kind of legacy that we want to leave. The more women we have like yourself uh, that are inspiring leaders driving change also allows for more role models to young girls. Well, I, I guess actually for women too, really. And I don't know that it's always been this way, that there's been as many women to look up to and not not because they don't or didn't exist but but maybe just because women haven't always been afforded you know the opportunities to rise to the top um, as they are today and or perhaps the media didn't show as much of an interest to provide coverage on leading women so you just didn't see about it or hear about it 
as much as as we are now. But but yeah, certainly it feels like more recently, uh, more women are rising and having their voices heard and their stories heard and they're speaking out and uh, driving change. And it's it's something quite incredible. Yes, absolutely. There is a good poem. Uh, um, it's it's called Tired by Cleo, uh, Cleo Wade. And uh, she says that, you know, uh, I got tired of seeing uh, the world in a big mess. So I decided that I'm going to start cleaning it up. <laughs> you might not clean up all the mess. But at least you're you're trying, and uh, yeah. at least you made the first step. And if uh, each and every one of us, you know, um, starts cleaning up what is within our remit, what is within our power, I think uh, um, that's how that's the only way our world can be better. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, do you want to take next few questions or next question? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what? advice do you have for other women in sport? Oh, it's it's hard to give advice because <laughs> you don't have a, <laughs> a hard set of rules. Obviously, what works for you works for you. What It doesn't necessarily work for uh, someone else. But uh, um, if it's something you really love, it is definitely worth pursuing because uh, we only regret what we don't do. Uh, I've never met anyone who said, oh, I regret doing that. You always regret what you didn't do. So um, don't be in a situation where you haven't done something and then you regret not doing it. Love the advice. And I'm always, <laughs> I'm always that person, right, where I do something. If I get it in my head, I do something. And then if I find out it's a, like I was wrong or, you know, I made a mistake, I was like, oops, sorry, or, you know, I'll make it up. But I think just, I need to know. At the end of the day, I need to know. Like, I need to know what would happen if I did this thing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to live in in regret not knowing what could have been, right? No, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, So, oh yeah. I know you talk passionately about wanting to better the Paralympic community and support the infrastructure in Malta. What made you want to take on this responsibility and what is your vision for it? I mean, uh, as I explained at the beginning, when you uh, want to do something but you don't find the infrastructure, um, you you have uh, two options, either to give up or to start uh, building something yourself. And I didn't want to give up. And so my option was to try and uh, uh, initiate something and where that goes mm. um we did start the organization we it's not perfect uh you know it's always uh, knocking on uh, politicians doors and convincing them that this is a worthwhile pursuit that this is something uh, that's going to make uh people happier it's going to uh, you know um, help youngsters and whatever but uh, at the end of the day it's uh, your passion and uh, nobody else's. So uh, you, you, it's it's silly to expect someone else to do it because yeah, but a lot um, of people do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I I don't, I'm not sure they would get far. But uh, um, I, I'm not the type of person to just stay on the sideline and complain that we don't have this and we don't have that. 
uh, we don't, but uh, I will try my best to to make it happen uh, for myself and for people who are going so to come what, after me. So what's the vision? Like, what, what do you want it to be? Uh, the organization, well, I would love for the organization to be recognized on the same uh, level as the Olympic Committee in Malta. Mm-hmm. That is uh, how the practice is internationally. Um, two years ago, the first, um, so the, the thought leaders in this were the uh, United States, where they actually renamed uh, the organization as U- U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. So sure. uh, athletes are receiving the same amount of support, the same amount of prize money at the Olympics and Paralympics. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's really good. Um, this is the practice in many other countries, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of negotiation and uh, lobbying. So um, I, I, my objective is that by the time I, I, I leave the organization, uh, it would have been, um, you know, on its feet. So there would be a premises, there would be a, uh, an address, an official address of the Paralympic Committee. There would be someone working for the organization, and uh, this would have been recognized on the same level as the Olympic Committee. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to maybe sound ignorant. But I mean, I, I have no idea about anything to do with sport, even though I find what, what you're saying interesting. But do you think, because that's where you came from, and this is the reason you're setting up the committee? Do you think there is a demand for it? Is there definitely people who want to? be um paralympians uh yes uh because uh from the limited resources that we have and the limited amount of manpower and time that uh, we're able to contribute we are seeing um a lot of people coming forward and contacting us and uh, what's uh, really nice to see is that it's uh, the younger generation so we have uh, parents whose kids are, you know, as little as two, three years old, who say, okay, how can we get our kids uh, into para-sports because we really want them to, um, you know, uh, be active and uh, be independent because uh, para-sport is not just about a hobby. It's about uh, learning how to become independent. And when Mm -hmm. you're, uh, especially in smaller countries, um, where you don't see much people with with impairments on the street, it's important to realize that you have the uh, uh, intellectual and the physical capability of uh, being your own man and uh, or woman <laughs> and uh, living a life that you want, not as what other people want for you. Love it. Yeah, that's wow, <laughs> amazing, amazing work that you're doing, Alex. We've got one more question. (laughs) Yes, we do. The last question. And it's always the same one. So we are going to ask you, what does being a feminist mean to you? I think uh, rather than a feminist, I think uh, I am more prone towards uh, general equality, regardless of your gender, regardless of where you're born. Um, yeah. you know, whether you're, you are uh, living with a disability or not. Um, I think we should all uh, have the same opportunity to succeed regardless of our um, 
background and intrinsic, um, let's say, qualities. Yeah, and you've just uh, then it's up to the individual. There. That's the, that's the yeah. Feminism going, yeah, breaking barriers left, right, and center here. That is feminism. <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah. I think it's only fair that everyone is uh, uh, given the opportunity to start from the same uh, starting line. If we're going to follow the uh, theme of sports, and then it's up to you. You want to run? You want to walk? You want to crawl? <laughs> But at least you have the same resources to start off with. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's what it means to me. Well, in general. that's why we love asking everyone that question, because it's people think being a feminist is, you know, burning bras and growing your armpit hair and being like super angry <laughs> and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's essentially exactly what you just said for everybody to be on the same level like whether you're a man whether you're a woman whether you're black white wherever you come from disability no disability and it's just bringing the attention to that and everybody's um what do you call it experience in life kind of leads to the realization that man like I really think that we should all be equal (laughs) which is ridiculous right because at the end of the day that's that that's what it should be but it's it's kind of sad that we're still having to vouch for this equality and bring it to light um but i appreciate everybody who does everyone who's trying to do something about it exactly like you are and making sure that um someone else is contributing to the um equality um fight I guess it's not really a fight but I can't find a better word and yeah and, and you're not just sitting on the sidelines being like oh I wish everyone everyone was equal <laughs> I think when you think about equality it's important to remember one thing and uh, it always brings you back to the uh, and gives you the reason to to continue your fight or to continue um uh, promoting equality is the fact that you know you are born where you're born it's just sheer luck yeah you are born in Malta you're born in Canada you're born in Ghana you're born in the Middle East uh, anywhere it's just sheer luck so can you imagine what uh, uh, privilege you're getting just um, through the simple act of being born in a country which is more um, advanced or more privileged than another country. And so, being born of a gender, right? Or, it's just luck that you're born exactly, as, as a white exactly. man at the end of the day. You didn't choose, oh, I want all this privilege. I'm going to come out as a white man. And the thing is, <laughs> you have done absolutely nothing to no, gain that privilege. No, exactly. No. So if you realize that, okay, this time I was lucky, but imagine uh, I was not uh, born here. I was born somewhere uh, in the middle of the desert, uh, you know, what would my life would have looked like? And uh, is it fair that my action, the, the actions that I'm taking now are actually uh, impairing someone else's freedom, someone else's uh, livelihood? Um, I think that's important to remember that we, wh- wherever we are born, it's just sheer luck and who we are born into. Sure. Yes. And if you are privileged enough to be born in a lucky situation, what can you do to help lift other people up exactly amen to that (laughs) yeah thank you so much for chatting with us today and dropping so many pearls of wisdom in this 
brief chat. Um, but yeah, we really, really appreciate you um, coming here and, and joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you uh, so much for speaking to us. And hopefully, I, well, not hopefully, I know this is going to help any anyone else who um, is in the same situation, looks up to you, wants to make some change, wants to start swimming, anything, you know. So thank you. Uh, just get into the pool. <laughs> just get into the pool. <laughs> the rest. That's what, that's my word of advice. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Cool. Thanks, Love thanks it. Thanks for uh, organizing this. It was lovely. It was a pleasure. Okay. And I uh, hope you found it interesting. Thank you. Thank you. And the song we chose to go with this episode is called "Brave" by Sarah Bareilles. And this is on our Spotify playlist under the Big Fat Energy podcast. We hope you like this song. Bye.